We're just so blessed to have the Stevens with us. I want to give him all the time possible. Let's welcome Pastor Paul Stevens. Thank you. Amen. I'll try to not cause the microphone to dis- to malfunction tonight. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark uh, chapter 5. Um, I want to minister something I've been preaching around quite a bit, and I believe it will help you this evening. My wife and I are very blessed to be here in Rochester, uh, firstly because of you, but secondly because of the weather. It's 107 in El Paso today, and we are glad to be here, I can tell you that. Amen. Uh, Mark chapter 5. Isaiah has a powerful statement that I want you to consider. It's a prophecy about Jesus, and it says that he was wounded. He came to earth, and he was wounded. Why? Because this world is hostile, it is cruel, it is uncaring and insensitive, And not even God himself, the son of, that is, could avoid trafficking in this world without getting wounded. The wounds of life that you experience come in all kinds of layers or shapes and sizes. There are what we would call a surface wound. You get cut. You get a bruise on the outside and it hurts for a little while and then it heals and then you don't even remember it, you don't recall it and you don't think about it. But what I want to talk about tonight are the deep wounds of life, the pain of which can linger over a lifetime. You can get injured, for example, a broken rib You can rupture your spleen. We hear football players, when they get tackled particularly hard in the midsection, their spleen can rupture. Those are deep wounds. You can tear a ligament, can break a leg. And these wounds sometimes will leave you limping and in pain for a lifetime, never being able to function the way that you once did because of a wound. You may be familiar with a nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty. I'll read it to you. You can record it and then listen to it while you're going to bed tonight, just like getting a bedtime story. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. I like the original Old English version of that nursery rhyme. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Four score men and four score more could not make Humpty Dumpty what he was before. The character of Humpty Dumpty, if you remember, is portrayed as an egg. Eggs are fragile. And Humpty Dumpty was sitting on a wall and he fell and he shattered in a thousand pieces and nobody could put him back together again. And that's not a bad picture of what can happen in life. We're fragile. 
our feelings, our emotions, our physical bodies, and the spiritual dimension to our life can get shattered and broken. And sometimes we don't recover. Other times we recover to a point, but we continue to limp in life because of the violations that have occurred. Someone wrote these words, we all have shadows in our past, which cause us pain and regret. People betray us. They fail in their promises. Everyone is flawed. Everyone is flawed or broken in some way. And it shows in our interactions with one another. Though the painful moments in our childhoods, uh, in our childhoods or past relationships may haunt us, We have to learn effective ways to move forward toward growth. The longer we allow our emotional injuries to control us, the further we are driven from a good future. The problem is that people don't have solutions today because a solution is only in Jesus Christ. He's the one that can heal the deep wounds that you experience. We're going to read a text from Mark 5, if you'll follow it with me, about the healing of a deep wound. And I want to use this as an example of what God can do in your life. Mark 5, beginning in verse 24. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed and thronged Jesus. Now a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all that she had and was no better and grew worse. She heard about Jesus. She came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately, and immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around to the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said, you see the multitude, you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for healing and delivering power that is sufficient to touch every deep wound that's represented here in this church tonight by these precious people. Lord, I pray for special anointing to minister a word that will trigger faith and that will bring about healing and deliverance from the deep wounds of life. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. So let's examine for a moment and try and define deep wounds. The text gives us a picture of what can happen. And what we have in our text is something that is long-term. It's not a cold. It's not a 24-hour flu. It's not even a broken bone that heals in your normal after a few weeks or months. This is a 12-year-long deep wound that has totally dominated this woman's life. It frustrates her. It identifies her. And it has become who she is. Now, a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years. This is very messy. This is very debilitating. She's been dealing with this for a very long time. It's frustrating her. There's no end in sight. It's probably on her mind most of the time. Because of the nature of it, there's no escape. The Bible says she's suffering. 
That word means to suffer with sadness. So it's more than just pain or the messiness of her affliction. It affects her emotionally and makes her sad. And how many know that sickness can do that? When you're debilitated with an injury or a wound, it has an emotional vexing impact. And that's what that word means. It means that it is weighing on her. You may get momentary relief from the suffering from time to time, but eventually the suffering returns, the emotional torment returns, The memory of the past wound is relived, and it all comes back on you. In verse 26, in the Amplified Translation, she had endured much suffering at the hands of many physicians, and she spent all that she had and was not helped, but instead became worse. And that's the nature of a deep wound. An experience happens to you in life. You're violated in some way or you get physically sick. Not all sickness, when it strikes you, gets better right away. Sometimes it gets worse and worse over many, many days, weeks, months, and even years. Some people have cancer uh, or diabetes uh, or some other physical sickness. uh, And in our text, uh, she had a flow of blood uh, and it was getting worse and worse and worse. uh, And she is running out of options to find a way to get better. So let's try to define what your deep wound may be. Like the woman, it can be catastrophic sickness or injury because of an accident to where internally it's not a surface wound like a cut or a bruise, or you bang your head, or something that that you recover in a matter of days. This is something that strikes you deep within. As I mentioned, a number of diseases like diabetes or Parkinson's disease or cancers, those just don't go away. That's not the uh, 24-hour flu or a three-day cold. And many times people just have to learn to live with it, going to the doctor, making appointments, taking medication, dealing with the pain and the discomfort becomes lifestyle. It becomes how you function in life, and it becomes your normal In our text, the woman had to learn to live with this. She tried to get better. Nothing worked. Now she's having to live with the increasing, debilitating growth of this sickness and disease in her body. And it had consequences. As I said, she suffered, number one. Number two, she it drove her to poverty because the Bible says she spent all that she had. She's willing to take all of her resources to try to get better. I'm sure those doctors made promises to her that if you'll give me your money, I can remedy this situation. Uh, But she grew worse. She didn't get any better. And now she is impoverished uh, along with being sick. And this sickness would have also isolated her because it was a bleeding condition. She would have been uh, declared unclean. She wouldn't have been able to go out in public. She shouldn't have been out on that day. She wouldn't have been able to go to church or to the temple. She wouldn't have been able to go out and shop in the normal way that people shop. She would have had somebody that cared enough about her to drop off her necessities at her house, probably leave them on the porch, because anybody who came in contact with her, they would be declared unclean for a period of time. So this had a catastrophic impact on every feature of her life, this 
sickness in her body. Secondly, we can experience relational wounds, sexual violations, verbal abuse. Words are powerful, and they can crush the spirit of an individual. And the Jesus said uh, uh, his words are life, and words can be either life or death. And they can send you on a downward spiral. Sometimes uh, all it takes uh, is a very brief interaction with someone. Uh, they say something to you. Uh, it lands, uh, and then sometimes for years uh, you don't lose the memory of the emotional impact that that has. Betrayals of trust, rejection, divorce, marital violations. Some of you may be reeling today for violations that happened in childhood or many, many years ago. And those relational violations crush something in you. And now what's the consequence? You're not physically sick, but you don't trust people. You're very standoffish. You build walls. We relate to our deep wounds in different ways. The point being that we do something if those wounds don't get healed that is usually negative. People live with deep scars of relational violation their whole life. One of the great books I read... Uh, it's called The Unexpected Legacy of Divorce. I read this book probably 20 years ago. I have a copy of it in my office. I refer to it from time to time. And the author, Judith Wallerstein, did a study. Because in the early 70s, when divorce uh, uh, started becoming easier by virtue of what they called no-fault divorce. Before, if you wanted to divorce, uh, you had to go to court and, and, and make a case that it's their fault, it's her fault, it's his fault, and the judge had to try to sort through all that. And then they created no-fault divorce. You could walk into court, nobody has to be at fault, we're agreeing to separate, uh, sign the documents, and off you go. And so they were saying, this is great, this is wonderful, parents need to be happy, if they're not happy with each other, uh, they need to find somebody else. And children are resilient, they'll get over it. She didn't believe that. She was herself a child of divorce. And showed, she did, actually did, a generational study. She began to build a relationship with children whose parents were divorcing. And she maintained that relationship for 30 or 40 years. And she tracked these children who had been children of divorce. And she made this assertion in her book that a human being never recovers from the divorce of their parents. They will carry a scar into their adult years. 60% of girls and 55% of boys are more likely to divorce if their parents do. It has an impact. It cuts a scar when mom or dad or both sometimes in many cases. I have a lot of people in my church who have been raised by grandparents because both their parents split on them. Relational violations can cause deep wounds. Sec uh, thirdly, trauma. Trauma is defined as a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. There are three kinds of trauma that you can endure in life. Acute, chronic, and complex. Acute trauma is one single event that occurs in your life that is so 
traumatic that it debilitates you for a lifetime. It can be, for example, a car accident where somebody dies. It can be a crime is perpetrated against you and you're physically violated or assaulted. It's called acute trauma. It's something that only happens once, but it cuts such a deep wound that it lingers for a lifetime and it can cause you to be fearful of being in a crowd. It can cause insecurities and fear for the future, all kinds of emotional dynamics can play out from one single incident of trauma. The second is called chronic trauma. This is when events are repeated over and over and over again, like domestic abuse or sexual violence in the home. It's not one single event. That would have been bad enough. But it's when it is repeated over and over and over again. And then there is complex trauma. These are different. This would be maybe somebody we would describe as accident prone. And they keep having these different, unrelated, catastrophic events. They get in a car accident. Uh, they experience loss over here. Some other unrelated event happens over there. That's called complex trauma. And there are many people that experience that in their life. Someone said that trauma is an emotional response to a terrible event like an accident or a natural disaster or an act of violence perpetrated against you. Immediately after the event, shock and denial are typical. Longer term reactions include unpredictable emotions, flashbacks, strained relationships, and even physical symptoms like chronic migraine headaches or nausea. So that's the third type of deep wound that can happen. Fourthly are what I can simply call demonic inspired assaults against your mind that lingers and goes on, that debilitates you. How you think matters so much in life. The thought patterns, and those thought patterns many times are initiated in childhood. People that are perpetually negative. Everything they think, everything they say has negative, unbelieving, doubtful overtones. And you can even carry that into your spiritual life. You get saved, genuinely touched by God and repent. But it's such a powerful stronghold, it establishes doubt and unbelief when it comes to the promises of God. So we can experience demonically inspired assaults. So let's look secondly at what this woman did to get healed. Deep wounds cause long-term suffering. This woman comes to a place of absolute desperation and she does something she shouldn't have done and hadn't been doing and that is she ran out into a crowded street. Shouldn't have done that. She's desperate though. And her desperation overrides uh, protocols. Cost her livelihood. She's suffering. She has to live alone. She's isolated. She wouldn't have a husband or a family. She would no doubt have a tormented mind. No peace, no lasting victory or joy. She's vexed. She's She's frustrated. And it goes on and on. But in our text, two things happen. Two very simple things. 
that led to her healing. First of all, the Bible says she heard about Jesus. How? We don't know. I want to meet that person in heaven that told her. Someone told her about Jesus. That's how critical your witness is. You may meet this woman in the marketplace tomorrow. Telling people about Jesus who are hurting. Most people are. Most people that you run into, they may wear a mask and they may smile at the checkout counter, but inside they're bruised, they've been kicked and broken and wounded. You never know when you're going to run into this woman and you're going to have an opportunity to tell her there is a man named Jesus. And I have watched him from afar. I've seen the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear. I've seen the withered hand stretched out, people with torment minds are healed and delivered and if he can do it for all of them maybe he can heal you that's what happened in our text somebody told her about Jesus she heard about Jesus and then that led to faith and I'll get to that in a moment and it led to action on her part that resulted in a healing whoever told her found her just at the right moment She doesn't have any more money. If she had a wad of cash in her hand and was on her way to the doctor who promised to make her better, she may have blown off someone who told her about Jesus. If she was having a couple, three good days, not feeling so bad, the flood, uh, the flow of blood had ceased for a couple of days, she may have blown, but she is desperate at this moment. And you never know. We blow off opportunities to witness so often. And I wonder how many of these empty seats can be filled if we'll be more sensitive to what's going on around us and how wounded people actually are. You're going to run into this woman tomorrow, I guarantee. If you go out shopping, if you go to school, if you go to work, if you go out into the marketplace, if you go through your neighborhood, if you're walking your dog and you bump into somebody, you are going to run into this woman tomorrow. Are you going to have enough boldness to tell her that there's someone who can heal her? Because you're going to find people when you share what Jesus can do. You're going to find not everyone you witness to responds the way this woman did. For sure, I know that. But you're going to run into some people that are ready to take some action. They're desperate. In the book of Luke, another incident. Now when Jesus concluded in the hearing of the people... He entered Capernaum and a centurion servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, you see what's going on here? Someone told him, hey, Jesus, I'm sure you've heard about him. He's healing. He's delivering. Your servant is sick and dying. The centurion loved his servant, wants to help him, but doesn't know how. And when he heard about Jesus, he sent for him. When he heard about Jesus, he sent elders to the Jews, of the Jews to him, pleading with him that he would come and heal his servant. Sometimes that's all people need. You remember the story in 2 Kings of the, uh, uh, the Syrian general named Naaman who had leprosy? 
and they had made a raid into Israel, and they had captured a, a, a Jewish young girl who became the servant in their household. And she said, oh, if you just go to Israel, I'm sure the prophet of God there could heal you. And Naaman heard that. He's sick and tired of having leprosy. He knows he's going to die from it. Naaman is a is a gifted man. He has relationship with a king. He's a skilled leader of troops in the battlefield. But he has leprosy. Something is wrong with him. And just at the right moment, uh, this young Jewish girl knew about miracles, uh, knew about healing, knew about a supernatural dimension, uh, working through the prophet's life, and said, if you go see him, uh, I bet you get get healed. And then secondly, she heard about Jesus, and then this triggered faith that resulted in a miracle. That's going to happen when you witness. Not everybody. People blow you off, reject, walk away. They don't have time. Yeah, that happens. But if you are sensitive enough to what's going on around you, you're going to be drawn to a woman like this. And telling her about Jesus, it triggered faith in her. And it's a very simple premise that you need to embrace. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said... She said, to who? Who is she talking to? She's talking to herself. She said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. In Matthew's version of this story, it makes it a little clearer. She said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. It matters how you are going to talk to yourself on the way to this altar tonight. I'm tired of being broken. I'm tired of carrying this wound from childhood or from uh, marriage or from relationship or from some traumatic event that happened in my life. I'm tired of walking, limping, and using a wheelchair or a walker. Metaphorically, I mean, I'm not right. I can't function the way I know to function. I'm not normal. I can't relate to people the way that I want to. I can't love and give and serve and be happy and have joy and have victory. And I want that so badly. And I believe that if I come to this altar, uh, Jesus is going to heal me. It matters what you say to yourself. This woman could have said, I've tried everything, nothing is going to help. Why would this make a difference? Right? She could have said that. We do that. Well, I prayed before and nothing's happened, so why bother? Have you ever said that? (laughs) What you say to yourself can keep you wounded or lead to a healing. Verse 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt, that's such an important part of the story, She felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Healing is something you feel. It can be because the pain goes away. It can be because the emotional trauma, the vexation, the suffering, the emotional debilitating spirit that has laid hold of your heart, it evaporates. You can feel that you're healed. You feel joy and peace and victory in your life. 
She felt in her body. You're going to feel that tonight. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. What an unusual story this is. There's none other like it in the Bible. Jesus is passive. It's not like walking up to the tomb of Lazarus and saying, Lazarus, come forth. It's not like walking to blind Bartimaeus and saying, what do you want me to do for you? Or the man with the, uh, that was lame at the pool of Bethesda and asking him, well, what do you want me to do for you? That's, that's Jesus being proactive, trying to get someone healed. This is completely passive. He's on his way to the centurion house to heal his servant. And power goes out of him. And that power going out of him was not determined by Jesus, but it was determined by this woman. Power has gone out of me. And he said, who touched my clothes? And then he said to her in verse 34, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Jesus understands wounding. It is the one who suffered himself, ministering to those of us who suffer. And he suffered wounding beyond any level that you will ever experience in your life. Rejection, emotional woundings, rejection, the trauma of the crucifixion. It's the hurting one who ministers to those who are hurting because he has been there and he understands. The scripture that I quoted in the beginning from Isaiah says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. In the book of Matthew sixteen twenty one, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer. They, they, they can't get their hands, their heads wrapped around the idea of Jesus suffering. He healed. He walked on water. He raised the dead. He made people well that were in pain and suffering. And yet he says, I am going to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and be killed and be raised from the dead. Hebrews says, therefore, Jesus also suffered and died outside the city gate so that he might sanctify and set apart his holy. The people who believe through the shedding of his own blood. He is the one who suffered who is here to minister to those who suffer, to those who have experienced deep wounds in life. There's a miracle for you tonight. I believe that. You don't have to continue living with a spiritual cane or walker or wheelchair. He can get you up out. The suffering can come to an end. The pain from past woundings can evaporate. You're going to feel in your body, in your emotions, in your spirit that you're healed. There's a miracle for you tonight. So let's put an end to our suffering. You've heard about Jesus. And now it's time for you to do some talking on the way to the altar. If I can just get down to this altar and get on my knees and cry out to God the deep wound is going to be healed in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Let's give God praise tonight. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We exalt you. We glorify you. And we worship you in Jesus' name. I want every head bowed and every eye closed.
Nobody moving around for a moment. There's a wonderful dimension of God's love and grace and power and anointing tonight. As soon as I decided on this sermon, I really did feel an anointing of the Holy Ghost. I came into prayer tonight and felt a dimension of God's presence. And when I preach, I always pray, God, give me special anointing for this sermon to make this truth and this revelation live for people so that they can respond with faith and experience the miracle they need in their lives. You need to prepare to hear from God as much as I need to prepare to minister a timely word in due season that is God's word for this moment in your life. Your wounds are hurting you. They're hurting your marriage. They're hindering your management of money. They're affecting your walk with God. Things like doubt, unbelief, bad decisions. Many women in their childhood, teenage years, are traumatized and wounded and violated in some way. They get saved, but not totally healed yet. The wounds sometimes take time. You need to hear sermons like this that will trigger faith and get you to the altar and start saying the right things. But sometimes women think what I need is marriage. If I can just get married and be loved... That's going to fix me. They get married. Nothing changes internally. You're still hurting and wounded. And then rather than go to Jesus for healing, you blame your husband. It's his fault. He's not the man. I thought he can't do what only Jesus can do. You need healing. You married a perfectly good guy. Or you married a perfectly good woman if it's the other side of the coin. The problem is not the person you married. The problem is you have a wound that only Jesus can heal. Don't look to people to heal it. You need to get a hold of God. You need to say, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'd be made well. The woman had already tried all her options. Doctors, physicians, and over time it didn't get any better. Now she needs a miracle. And that's what you need in your life. As our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Perhaps you've come to church tonight and you're not saved. You're not right with God. I pray every service, even if I don't think there are people there that uh, need Jesus, I always give an altar call as though everyone needs him. Everyone is unsaved and needs to be born again. So if you're here tonight and you're not right with God and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have not yet been born again, forgiven of your sins, I want to make an appeal to you to allow me to pray for you and help you tonight. So that you can receive Jesus as your Savior, be forgiven of your sin, and be forever transformed and changed. The Bible says, whosoever is in Christ is a new creation. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. There's not a better sounding verse in all the Bible than that for the sinner. You don't have to live bound and unhappy and miserable chained to your sin and your bad habits bound by the deep wounds of life that I described tonight Jesus can heal you this evening make you whole change your life Jesus called it being born again the Bible calls it coming out of darkness into his marvelous light and if that describes you tonight 
And you're ready to say, God, I know I am a sinner. And I am ready to repent. And I want to tell you I'm sorry. And I want to get my heart right with God. I know I've hurt you. I've hurt those around me and myself. And I want to get my heart right with God. It takes humility. Your pride will take you straight to hell. If you want to blow this off and say, not me, I'm perfect, I'm good. You'll never make heaven your home. You have to come to Jesus as a little child, the Bible says. Ready to acknowledge your wrongdoing. I am a sinner and I am wrong and I want to be right and do right. And I'm sorry for my sin and I'm ready to receive Jesus as my Savior. If that describes you tonight, I want to help you and I want to pray for you. And I want to believe God to work a miracle in your life. And I want to ask you to do one simple thing. Slip your hand up tonight. Pastor, pray for me. I want to repent. I want to get my heart right with God. In Jesus' name. Maybe you're backslidden. Deep wounds, if they go unhealed long enough, can cause you to fall away or to distance yourself from God. The pain becomes the dominant feature and not your relationship with Jesus. And some people will leave the church. They say, well, if I can't get better here, there's no hope for me. And off they go back into sin. But of course, that doesn't work. It only exacerbates their problems. And maybe you're here and what you need to do is rededicate your life to Christ. I want you to slip your hand up. Pastor, pray for me tonight. I really do need to rededicate my life to Jesus. All right, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, deep wounds. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made well. You can shield yourself from healing by denying the issue. Maybe you've been living with a deep wound so long you just think it's normal. You no longer see yourself as needing healing. You learn to live with it. That's no way to live tonight. Deep wounds affect your disposition, your character, your personality, your decisions, your ability to relate to people, your ability to love, your ability to serve, your ability to forgive. This woman was dominated by the flow of blood, suffering, isolation and poverty it affected every feature of her life until she said if i can touch the hem of his garment i know i'll be made well this is what's going to fix your marriage the issue in your marriage is an unhealed wound not your husband or your wife the issue in your heart with your inability to experience love and peace and joy Happiness and fulfillment is a wound that just vexes you. Memories of trauma, relational violations. You're going to feel that you're healed tonight. The emotional burden is going to lift. The physical sickness or infirmity is going to be healed. The injury from an accident is going to be mended. Let's all stand tonight. I want to open the altars. If I can just come to this altar and cry out to God, I know I'll be healed. I want you to come. Let's find a place to pray and talk to God about the need of their heart. Sometimes people can't get over their addictions. They get saved, give their lives to Christ, and they continue to struggle with drug and alcohol addiction because of an unhealed deep wound. Why do we drink? Why do we turn to alcohol? Usually we're trying to mask a wound that's present in our hearts 
Oh, God, we thank you. I want you to pray. Cry out to God. Then we're going to pray together in Jesus' name. But first, uh, you take the action that the woman did. Jesus is passive during this. He's going somewhere. She comes along behind and says, uh, if I can just get to the altar and cry out to God, I know I'll be made well. That's what I want you to do right now as we sing quietly in Jesus' name.